The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. And we'll start off with the letter from Joan that she's made a request to read. Uh, we've got another reading coming up. But we might as well start off with that and maybe that'll be point of discussion today. A friend of the mission sent, recently sent in a tithe. She had quit her job to gain access to her retirement funds and then she reapplied for her job back. And she says... Dear Caritas, I had to actually resign from my job of 23 years to gain access to this money. After many months of praying and waiting, the clear discernment finally came in September 2011. My last day was November 23rd. It took five weeks for the funds to be released and then another seven weeks for the position to be approved by administration. All positions must be re-justified to administration, who then considers to approve or deny the request. The first submission of the job was rejected, but later a resubmission was approved by, uh, for a part-time position. My supervisor was a little worried I wouldn't accept a part-time position since I left a full-time one. 
However, this was the major sign for me that Our Lady had planned my leaving and returning in just this way. It has allowed me to have a little more time at home as we are preparing our homestead. Another sign, she caused my shift to end at 6 o'clock a.m., which is 30 minutes before daily Mass begins across the street. So I can still attend, but now at the early Mass. No doubt Our Lady was guiding and confirming my husband and I through this time. And again, this all came about because of Our Lady's direction through Caritas. I'm sorry for the length of this explanation, as I know you are all very busy. Yet I just wanted you to know, from yet another person, that Our Lady is working powerfully and decisively through Caritas of Birmingham and the community of Caritas in changing lives and preparing us in her time for a new time. Pretty interesting. Interesting that in the fact when you get a situation that has no exit, well, just to quote the whole message, I right? says, through prayer you'll find the greatest joy out of every situation that has no exit. And so what appears to us to see the door that we're blind to, a lot of times wisdom. It was probably two or three years ago we spoke about people who have their 401ks, which were going away really quickly back then. And I think they'll be going away in the future. I wouldn't trust my money to be there. These people treat these as public funds. They invest that supposedly to give you more return. And so many people's retirement are really at risk. A lot of people, I remember when the first crash happened, lost half, lost half of it, three quarters of it. I remember one guy's wife wrote in and said he was very depressed. Her husband was. They had 300 plus thousand dollars that were down to 100,000 overnight. So why would you risk wanting to keep that there? And what I do and the way I approach things is think, okay, how, how could you get around that? Because they, they, the system traps you. That's your money. That's what they promised to you. And they say you can't have it till you quit. Now, I had somebody ask me that that was visiting here. And I said, well, what you need to do is why don't you talk? If you got a good relationship with your boss, talk to him and say, I need my retirement. I need to start building me a homestead. I want it now. Can you work with me if I quit and then hire me back? Not everybody's got a boss like that, but some people do have a boss like that. And so here it is, this example comes full circle of exactly what we're recommending to do. To always find a way out of every situation has no exit. And better yet, the way she came back on part-time works out perfectly for what she's doing. And even if you didn't want to work and you really wanted to retire... Or, or be part-time, then you can do the same thing. Is there risk involved? Yes. They might not have hired her back with the retreat, but you got prayer on your side and 54-day novenas, fasting. But the risk of leaving that, you have to weigh that out for your situation. Are you going to be better off getting your $300,000 like this man could have done, put it into a homestead, paid the taxes on it? And it's a misnomer. People keep, we've had people not understand that if you got $300,000, you're in a 25% bracket of taxes. That's $75,000 of that money of the 300000 is taxes. It's already the government's. It's in your account and savings for them. I understand that. Thinking, well, because people complain, if I take it out, I'm going to be taxed. So does it make you feel good at night? That you get $300,000 in there? 
instead of 225000 Just loving the money like that that's not yours doesn't mean it's yours and you're going to get it. You won't get it. In fact, you'll get less. I was reading before the show, it says, I had a book about 12 God's Simple Solutions. Here's a scary thought. The content of your character is demonstrated by the way you choose to spend your money. If you spend more, if you spend money wisely, and if you give God His fair share, then you're doing just fine. But if you're up to your eyeballs, or if you're up to your eyeballs in debt, and if "shop to the drop" is your unofficial motto, it's time to retire the credit cards and rearrange your priorities. Our society is in love with money and the things that money can buy. God is not. God cares about people, not not possessions, and so much we have. We must, to the best of our abilities, love our neighbor as ourselves. And we must, to the best of our abilities, resist mighty temptations to place possessions ahead of people. Do you want to build a culture? Do you want to build a culture for yourself and your family with others? Why would you want to keep that there thinking, if I take it out, I'm going to lose this? You need to think unorthodox, not the way the financial planners who have planned this system of 401ks for their benefit, for their management, for their livings. I mean, a lot of livings and occupations, while they may be occupied by good people, the system or that profession was designed for people to create income for them. You can't trust that. You can't trust advice. You need to question it. Judge it for yourself. Divine wisdom comes to you and shows you that's not the way to do it. So the simple steps on this is talk to your boss. He's amiable. Quit. Wait the term limit or whatever you have to do to get your 401k money and reapply. That way you get your money it's in retirement sitting there doing nothing, really working for you. Don't think, oh, it's going to multiply. You can multiply it more by buying that little, let's just take this guy, he has 300000 Let's say he's in a 25,000, uh, 25% tax bracket. He pays 75, he's got 225 back. He could buy a little homestead. He can be built on a little pond. He can put a deck. When he put that deck, that's putting money into something that's going to be serving him 40 years from now. He could improve his soil year by year. He could be making his homestead, making his way. And by doing this, his money for his retirement is setting him up. I know our boys went down to a, a place down, I think it was South Alabama, to a, where they made, was it sugar cane? Do you remember that? I think they, they had, the guy only had like three acres. And he made um, sorghum syrup. And he made a good living out of it. I don't even think he had a half acre in sugar cane. He was retired, his wife would help, and every year they'd make their cane at a certain time of the year, and they had people just waiting lined up to get it. He told them after he cleared everything, he was making twenty five, thirty thousand dollars or so. Now I'm not talking about this is a market based thing. When in the future we want to be market based in our land eating. That's the first priority. Whatever you can sell on surplus, that's good. But first you need to make sure you got your food supply. So don't think, well, I can keep and wait or postpone, postpone these things. It's, it's a time, an now time. This is the moment. We don't wait. 
It's crazy to wait. And so how do you get your money working for you? By just saving in the bank. I've read a lot of things from financial people that say, and hear people say, um, if your budget's not working for you, it's not working. I read that if your savings is not working for you, it's not savings. Save your money, not in money, not in accounts. Save it in what it is you get. Your land that you buy is your representation of your savings. If you can't find your land, your representation of your savings would be put that cash into the Maracas Metal Medjugorje Medallion. You don't want to hold it there. You want that to go out and distribute and circulate. But for the interim, until you can get where you got to get to, anything that you have, your home, is not an investment. It's, a, it's your savings. That's what you save. That's what you put your money into. You save it for your retirement. You save it for the next generation. We lost the concept of how do you store your tomatoes. You grow them all season, you labor, you put that in there, and it pays you back. And let's just talk incrementally down to the small steps. One quarter tomatoes. You might have had 100, but let's just say one quart. That one quart represents the labor you put into that to make that, the water, everything you did and how that turned out, fertilizing. And that's set on a shelf. That's wealth. You built wealth. And you didn't use a whole lot, of, if you already got your land paid for, you didn't use a lot of, co- of, of currency to do that. You want to store your wealth, your labor, as close to you as possible without going to third-party currencies or this or IOUs or retirements. Get it working for you. Don't save that $300,000 in your retirement. Get it now. And if you can opt out of some of these programs, put that money weekly into something. My wife and I built our house. We got it framed up. We saved enough to put the money up of uh, the house into a uh, dry, dried in is what you call it, where you get your walls up, your two-by-fours up, your wrap around it, and your tar paper on top of the roof. And then it can sit there for a long time. And we'd buy this. We'd buy a sink. We'd buy a tile. We had $200 extra. We'd do that and then turn that $200 and uh, with our labor, put that tile down, whatever we had to do. We spent eight years building Many of you may have been to this house. We built our dream house. We did it the right way. We didn't have magic at that time. We just knew it was stupid, stupid of us to be going to borrow money and paying all that interest, paying three times what the house would cost to build. Never saw that. Never understood it that way. So we have to change our mentality to see how do we get out of this mess? And we're in a mess. And you probably don't have the time I had. But whatever time you got, you need to be thinking about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. This comes uh, from the Christian minister, Tony Evans, another excerpt from The Kingdom Man. Jesus speaks of a treasure, and he calls it the kingdom of God. He says that this kingdom is an unusually valuable treasure for which absolutely nothing should stand in the way. The kingdom refers to the millennium reign of Christ when he will return to run earth from Jerusalem for his thousand-year reign. Yet in the here and now... The kingdom has also been set up for us through kingdom principles, covenants, responsibilities, privileges, rights, rules, ethics, coverings, and authority. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A treasure is worth fighting for. 
A priceless treasure like this one is worth everything you have. But don't just take my word for it. Jesus said it himself. The reason why so many men today are living without so much as a semblance of treasure is because they have not understood the mystery of the kingdom. Instead, they settle for trinkets, gadgets, golf clubs, video games, careers, cars, and vacation packages. Some of those things are okay unless they take you off course from pursuing the kingdom, unless they become your goal. My son Jonathan is a big guy. He can hold his own, but he wasn't always that big. One time I remember him running up to my office at the church, asking me to come down to the gym and watch his five-foot-three frame dunk the basketball. He had been practicing for months. Once I got there, Jonathan grabbed the ball, dribbled, and dunk. I offered only abbreviated congratulations. Then I turned to the athletic director and pointedly told him to raise the basket back up to where it belonged. Impatient to grow taller, Jonathan had lowered the goal. Raise the basket, Jonathan, I said, and try again. He did, and he didn't make it. But he kept trying, and in time, he made it. Men, God has a standard. He has a goal. His kingdom is that goal. Yet what so many have done is lowered his standard, only to then congratulate themselves for being able to dunk the ball. The results of this lowered standard, though, affect so many more than just the one man on the court. A lowered standard affects us all. It shows up in our country, in our culture, in the economics of our world. It doesn't take much more than a cursory glance around our homes, churches, communities, and globe to uncover that men, not all but many, have missed the goal to live as a kingdom man. The impact of a lowered standard leaves its scars no matter what race, income bracket, or community a person is in. The outcomes may be different depending on the location, but they are just as devastating. Emptiness, depression, chronic irresponsibility, family breakup, misuse of finances, divorce, violence, chemical addiction, overeating indulgence, bankruptcy, low self-esteem, and general aimlessness plague our society as a direct result of the abuse or neglect of biblical manhood. The deterioration of societies both nearby and around the world has reached an all-time high, while the clarion call for men to come forth to stand for biblical manhood has never rung louder. Our world is on a disparaging path of self-destructive behavior. That must change. Yet that change will not occur unless men raise the standard to where God had originally placed it. Do you feel your life sinking? Life is about to radically change. Man is always given signs before divine intervention. The woman of Revelation 12, the great sign warning the world, find salvation now. The mother of Christ, 
the great sign, appears daily to Medjugorje visionary Maria with a message. Without Jesus, you have no future. Come to Five Apparitions of Mary, July 1st through 5th at Caritas, Alabama. A 4th of July giving yourself, your family, and nation in consecration to the Virgin Mary, to Jesus, to heal the heart. Call 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. See medj.com, that's M-E-J.com, medj.com. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. And that is one of the uh, two commercial, 60-second commercials that have been produced uh, just specifically for July 1st through the 5th. And uh, this is a way to reach souls for Our Lady. Uh, we have a package put together right now where you can get these CDs, uh, or actually it's a single CD with uh, both uh, PSAs on it, public service announcements. And um, we'll have a little bit of uh, information in there. And then you've got uh, people that you can get in contact with, uh, your local radio stations. Uh, there's companies out there that you can be in touch with that will spread this across several stations. So, uh, again, this is a way to respond and get as many souls as possible here uh, July 1st through the 5th, 2012. All you have to do is get them here. Like Ali says, get hearts close to mine. Literally, take it from there. In regards to the reading Joan just read, lowering the goals of the standards is, is what many people do that they would like to get their house paid for. They'd like to go into it. And they'd like to have that, but they grow in patience, just like Tony Evans' son. He was too patient to grow into what he needed to do to meet the goal rather than he made it meet him. We are, we have a whole culture this way. It's amazing to me the technology that was growing and how we were going things, and everything was like pristine clear, more clarity on, on the telephones, making everything... Uh, the sound qualities get more and more. And we are, we're over that peak when are going downhill now. The phones, a lot of times I'm talking to people, they may be on cell phone. It's hard to understand them sometimes, even when they got good signals. The iPods and all these things really are lowering their standards. They say, well, people are used to because they get the convenience of it. But we've lowered the standards on that because we've lowered the standards spiritually. When you have the art, the Michelangelo and the others were were doing a Benini in the the Vatican, their standards were high, and they were doing it for God's glory. And when the culture goes that way, everything physically changes going in the same way, same direction. More clean, more beautiful, more clarity in your technology because you're doing it for a better perfection because God's perfect. Our lady says, be perfect. God is perfect. As my son, Jesus is perfect. Well, you know, but you should strive for it. So this is even a reflection of the deteriorating culture. We accept many things. We accept standards that we didn't. I hate to talk to somebody even on cell phone a lot of times because you're wondering what, whether you're, you're, you're after the words they're saying sometimes. You're figuring out the word when they're still talking, what they said three words back. And so all these things are willing to go backwards because we're willing to go back to the spiritual. There's a physical side to the spiritual side. One affects the other. That's why we see such degradation of acceptance of different kind of abominations and sins. Because no matter what it does, it affects everyone. The propagation of sin takes its conception through the means of, of spreading it, which brings more society down to be the same. 
And so it is. We've done this financially. We do what I read, read, I read about how we shop to the drop We are in, until we drop, and we don't think anything about that. Nobody resists the mighty temptations of just buying. It's amazing the restaurants and people still out. And what Joan was just reading, the lowering the standard, you know, many, what Tony even says about sports and golf, I mean, just think of the money being spent on entertainment, the pleasures. And if you just put that money aside, how many people have the homestead by now? You say, and most of you, when you wake up, you start praying, you start regretting these things. But what will you do if you don't start today, which I like you saying, dear children, today, that if you don't act on these things immediately, and don't think it's just, okay, I put my money into three-year supply of food. You might need to do that if you're caught off guard. You you probably do need to have that. But the really thing to have is you land to grow it. That's not the way to get by. With the towns we're in now, that's an urgency. And I've always been against that. I've always told people, we knew people, religious communities doing this, and we always denounced that because we had plenty of time left to get ourselves. You don't have the time. You might need to have you some kind of cushion. An emergency thing. I know I was talking somewhere and they showed me in their basement where they had three-year supply of food. I said, what good is this going to do you? Because they had money. They had plenty of money to do whatever they wanted to do. I said, yeah, well, this is short-term. You should have this, but you need to get you some land. You need to have it, and you need to have it working. If you have to build two little houses and cottages, move two families in there and say, start planting gardens, raise the hogs, do this kind of things. Make your money work for you. Let them be there free. Remember the peasants. What happened during the plague? Well, the peasants died. What happened to the royalty? The blue, bur- the blue bloods. Why they call them blue bloods? Because they they ate off silver spoons. And many of them had blue tints to the skin. They had silver so much of their lives, and they survived because silver kills bacteria. And infections. But you know what happened? All the royalty had to go out to the fields. They never appreciated the peasants. They never thought about them in the right way that these people really get food and put it on my plate. Take your money if you've got it. Don't put it in stupid investments. Put it in investment of land. Move four families out there at the same time. Baptist, move Baptists out there. Catholic, do Catholic. So you'll be one of cord. Start your little tiny school. There's people out there have enough money that you can go to them and say, hey, build, build me a cottage and I'll help you work this. The father still can work outside of there for some income for them. But they'll be able to transition, transition in that. And your investment is that you've got your house. You've got people helping work the land with you because you need them. You're not going to do this by yourself. Don't think the idolatry of single family is going to make it. This society is introverted just into, into the family alone. It ain't going to happen. You're going to need other people. What that thing I read earlier saying? Our society is in love with money and the things that money can buy. God is not. God cares about people, not possessions. We must, to be the best of our abilities, love our neighbors as ourselves. And we must, to our best of our abilities, resist the mighty temptations of possessions ahead of people. 
people say, I'll never let anybody live on my land. Or why should I build them house? To def- Screen them, interview them. Put out ads. Get like-minded people that you want your kids raised around. You say, well, they got their friends. No, you, you pick their friends. You raise them with the same shared values. That's what our lady did here. That's how we live. And we minus out a lot of the money. We don't, in a lot of ways, we don't need money. We have our shipping ramp here. It's kind of down in a hole and drains drain off the water. We stop up the drain. When uh, sometimes, well, when our first one did, was somebody's coming home from Medjugorje, they've been gone for four months or so. We got a truck. We dumped a big pile of white sand out there. We got the beach umbrellas. We put a ladder that goes in the mechanic shop, put it out there. Made a little waterfall off the 25-foot wall. Filled it full of water. Opened one of shipping print shop doors up and putting speakers in there. Emceed it. We had a beach party that you wouldn't believe. Overnight, the kids woke up and walked right to the beach. Had on the bank of grass over there, chairs and lounge chairs. We had food. We had a luau. It was so much fun. What it cost us? Our labor, mostly. Killed the pig. Whatever we have to do. And it's life. We do that every two or three years. Now, the kids love it. We still love it. Make your way. Don't let it make you. And that's the problem today. Frank, you there? Yeah. You you mentioned the Blue Bloods who only ate off, you know, silver plates and silver. I was just talking to a friend last night, and we are talking about the rich kid was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He said that wouldn't even make sense today. You know, you can go to the coin dealer and get a, you know, a set of silverware for a few hundred dollars. But remember, throughout history, that would have that one spoon would have cost several days' wages. No, no middle class or no laborer could have ever afforded that. And so, when you speak of four hundred one ks, I was say ask yourself the logical question. You use this example of this guy that had three hundred thousand, then it was a hundred thousand. What does the saver do when when something like that has happened very rapidly? Your instincts are get out of the way. Probably, the, you know, in most cases, it's the worst time to get into you know, fixed income, but that's what everybody does. That's the, the nature of most people. You shouldn't have been in that investment. What, now, what does the government do when you've lost, you know, now maybe your tax consequence is 20 instead of 75? They're, are they upset with you? Why did they let you, did they think you were a better investor than them? Why did they let you invest this portion of their money? Why is it tax deductible, tax deferred? You have to ask these questions and you say, well, what was the time frame when they did this? Early 80s. What did they do in the, in the 70s? What happened in the late 70s? When they developed the 401k plan, this is after a total default, when Nixon took the gold backing away from the dollar. This wasn't a, very, a good thing to do. The rest of the world has to purchase dollars to purchase oil, because, and they, they accept this because we have 8,000 tons of gold. Now we completely default. Now the 401k plan, what was happening in 79 to 80? Silver went from 5 to $50 in a few months. No quantitative easing, no bank runs in Europe, no euro crashing. This is reality. What's happening now is panic. That people are going to go out of the dollar, bank runs. You can't have gold and silver working, or that's where people are going to go. So you have to depress the price. You have to make it look as unattractive as it possibly can be. And everybody's saying bad news, so everybody's waiting for a lower price. You'd have to go back to 2011, January, You've only had a few days that the price has been below 30. 
There's no reason to wait. Silver will not get cheaper. You're, it, intrinsically, since 2011, if you bought it 50, your silver has gotten more valuable. It's put away in vaults. People don't think about it anymore. We have, I don't know, hundreds of people that call wanting to own silver to everyone that calls needing liquidity. liquidity. So I'm sure that, you know, people that call us know the fundamentals better because the fundamentals are biblical. It's the same thing with land. No one panic sells land if their neighbors sold their house for less and someone tells them their property value is less. I've owned silver since it was $5. I watched it go to 21 back to 9 back to 50 back to 26 My silver has never lost any value. Physical silver does not lose value. It increases in value because it's finite. The same with my land. I don't care what my neighbor's house is selling for. My land is there to feed my family. It never lost any value. It never will lose any value. There's no possibility of losing value. There's no possibility of panic selling it. It is what it is. So, you know, you can't... The world makes you get into this mentality that how much is my retirement worth? So a lot of people have moved their retirement into the miraculous model Medjugorje round, and then they do what they've kind of been conditioned to do. Oh, it's down. No, it's not down. Or you're not selling it. It has nothing to do with its intrinsic value. It's the same. It's actually, it improves every day because it's finite. It's consumed in industry. So you have to look at things realistically. Why are they letting us invest their money? What's the risk? What's the intrinsic value? Who's managing it? Are they telling the truth? Are they cooking the books? Is somebody going to invest my money in, in something else? And then they, they, you know, like John Corzine, and they tell me that my money's gone. These risks don't exist in land. They don't in, exist in finite things. They're always going to have intrinsic value. And when it comes to silver, its intrinsic value is way higher than this. And you get some risk there that people might think, well, what if I bought it at 35 and then it suddenly drops to 26 and they got to sell it? You might lose dollars that way, but still, if you're selling it at $26 to buy land, you got your land. Suppose it was in retirement and you lost all that and you didn't have a equivalent to maybe $5 an ounce left because it was in cash and in cash because you kept it in that way. And it might not work that way. Maybe your retirement wouldn't have gone down. The bottom line is, how do you lower the the risk all the way over. It's why people say don't invest just in just one thing. There is a case where invest in land. You know, the, the full investment, it was you're not just investing in land, you're investing in cows with that and your house and all these things. That's value. It doesn't matter how much land you might have that if it goes to millions of dollars, and we see this, all these houses across the nation, people have been buying for investment and buy the next one and take that money and buy a bigger house or maybe it was a first house, and hold it, hoping it would gain in value. You don't buy a house for that purpose. And that's what Frank's talking about, this mentality of we're looking at his investment. No, it's your homestead. It's where you got to die. Look and see if you can make your own cemetery. Die there. That's your goal. Not the lower standard of trying to make money off the house and make money off this house and make money. The goal is you get married. You get as fast as you can. You'll have a plot of land. If you can't buy much of it, have it we can buy more of it right in that area. Get your house built and paid for if you got to move into a trailer. Go look at, go this weekend and look at mobile homes. Go look at them. You'd be shocked how nice they are. People say they got a bad reputation, a tornado blow them over. You can strap them, tie them down. The straps go up from the ground, all get into the ground, up over the top of the trailer. Can a tree go through it? Yeah, sure can. 
Can a tree go through the house? Sure can. I dare say that there's a lot of trailers out there, but there's far more horses, houses being torn down by tornadoes than there are trailers. Of course, the ratio for that, and you hear about these catastrophic things where uh, a tornado went to a trailer park. But look what it just did in Alabama a year and a half ago. Look what it did today, a year ago in Joplin, Missouri. Go count the trailers versus the houses. It's all relative. Get into it as cheap as you can. Well, not to go live in a trailer, but get it so you can, you can keep your reserves or your cash or your spends or your labor as you make it. Go and start building a little house. There's ways to get out of this hole. You can talk to Frank about any problems or any difficulties or what you might have as far as finances. We're not financial experts. We don't pretend to be. We, we give him a biblical perspective. We give uh, from a message perspective, and it's really the only financial information you need to know what you need to do. Warren Buffett himself has said, which I don't care for a whole lot about what he's done lately, except for his soul and salvation. But he says, you, you be your own financial planner. You, know, you, you take care of your own investments. Why are you entrust this for others? I know somebody is paying $300 a month for somebody to manage $500,000 for him. I couldn't believe it. It's crazy. What are you doing that for? Because we've lost our common sense, and they think these guys got common sense. No, they got the common pocket. They make that's a pretty good deal. You get twenty five clients, making three hundred bucks a month. That's that's a good deal. Pushing a pin. Frank, how to get a hold of you? Okay, you can call us toll free eight seven seven nine three six seven six eight six. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo dot com, and our website is globalsilverinvestors.com and make sure that everyone uses the resource. I'm surprised when people say I've listened to the show and listened to the show, but I haven't read it. It ain't going to happen. This is very important, very, very important, so you understand the times we're in. To read this and spread it, it appeals to everybody. Okay, remember that do you want to be a royal blood, blue blood, or do you want to be a peasant? The peasants went on to their glory into heaven. The royal blue bloods suffered in the fields and sweat and became peasants. So you need to think about what you want to be and where you want to go to in the future. We love you. We wish you our lady. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.